Hello, this is Alex Burkett, and you are listening to The Long Game Podcast. In this episode, I'm chatting with John Doherty. John is the founder of Credo and Editor Ninja. In this conversation, we chat about how John has grown Credo, including his failed experiments at acquisition. We also cover what distinguishes a successful agency from those who struggle, and how you, if you're evaluating service vendors, should judge potential agency partners. We also go into a couple of rants about the broader SEO and content marketing space, discussing why the advice in this space often misses the mark, either because it lacks context, it's overly complicated and misses the foundations, or because the advice giver has an agenda or a hobby horse that they continually um, kind of press down on. Finally, we talk about John's long game with his various companies, where he's going, how he's building them. This was an awesome conversation. And without further ado, here is my conversation with John Doherty. Let's talk about SEO and, and content stuff. I mean, you know, it's the the world that I've played in for a long time. And, um, you know, I've got, I've obviously got Credo going, um, which has been around for a number of years and helped 6,500 plus companies, made agencies 50 plus million dollars, generated a quarter billion dollars in digital marketing leads, a lot of that SEO and content, you know, Google ads, that kind of stuff. Um, but then I also got Editor Ninja going in January, mm. um, which is basically like the design pickle of content editing. Um, is kind of the way to to think about it. So um, yeah, so we're like a marketplace you know, where where companies can find editors, editors can find work type thing, or more not at all. It's uh, you subscribe and submit your content to get edited, and our trained editors on the back end edit it and turn it around oh. to you in twenty four hours. So Very cool. not a marketplace, not a marketplace at all. Um, you said you've been doing a bunch of podcasts lately. You've been doing more yeah. of these. Is mm-hmm. there anything that you haven't talked about in past podcasts that you wish? people would ask you or like any unexplored areas where you're like, I'd love to talk about that. Um, well, it kind of depends on where you, on where you want it to go because there's, um, so people will, I mean, people always ask me like, what's the backstory? How did you get started with it? That kind of thing. Right. Which is yeah, good. You know, good for people that don't have context to go listen to the show and don't know me. Um, but you know, the thing that I think a lot of people, the thing people don't ask me about enough is especially in like the bootstrapper world, et cetera, is how do they scale? How do they scale outside of themselves? Right. Because when people are thinking about SEO, they're thinking about content, they're thinking about editing, they're all of that. They're or even just like like marketing overall, there's just a lot of um there's a lot of I'm just gonna do it myself because hiring is hard and getting people on board is hard. And I would rather just keep doing it myself than, you know, have some short-term pain for long, longer-term gain. This is from um, the perspective of, of, of a SaaS founder who's like, all right, why, I'm just going to roll up my sleeves, yeah. write the blog post myself. I'm just going to like tinker yeah. with Facebook ads. Like I can do it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, so I think it, like the thing I, I wish, like I was able to talk about more on podcasts is the like, what, what are kind of the levels of like hiring and like getting things done, right? Like start doing it yourself, learn what it takes to succeed. Um, but then like that should make your business grow. And then you've got other things to do. And then like, you're spending 5% of your time on growth. When you hire someone part-time, they're spending, you know, they're spending five X that and you're, you know, and, and you're actually, you're going to grow that much faster because you hired someone, right? Um, like so many people just don't, they're not willing to hire. They're not willing to use like outside services and that sort of thing um, in order to, to, as Dan Martell puts it, buy back your own time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been doing this. It's no longer worth my time, but so, but I also can't stop doing it, right? It's high leverage, 
but I have other things I need to do because I'm the owner, I'm the founder, I'm the salesperson, all that. So I need to, you know, hire someone and empower someone else to, to, you know, to actually grow. So what does that look like? Right. And I'm sure you guys run into that at, at omniscient as well is, um, you know, people coming to you and they're just like wanting to completely like outsource it. Right. But like abdicate it. And like, I don't want to think about it, which is not the right way to do it. But then there are also the people that are like, ah, I'm not sure. I'm thinking about a freelancer. I'm thinking about an agency. I'm thinking about a full-time hire. I just don't know. Like how the hell do we make that decision? Right. And honestly, dude, this is the stuff I've been thinking about for the last nine years, <laughs> helping yeah. people make these decisions. So like, let's, let's go into that. into that. This is perfect. Um, Cause I can tell you, we've, we've learned through trials and tribulations, like who is a good fit based on that kind of mindset as to like how they outsource yeah. things. One mm-hmm. hypothesis we had early on was like helping a founder out would be more beneficial because they've got more control over their voice. They probably want to outsource most of it to us. But then when we came into Mm -hmm. these early stage companies and it was only the founder working on it, that ended up being such a bad fit client that we really don't take them anymore because they would end up Mm -hmm. being so hands-on and like, they wouldn't let go of like these little voice things, you know, and they'd be fundraising and hiring and building product and doing all (laughs) these things. And it's like, like you shouldn't be nitpicking the introduction of a blog post. You know what I mean? Um, And then you're right. There is that other side where it's like kind of like totally outsourced out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends how much they trust us, how much guardrails they give us. But that middle Mm -hmm. ground is what we found to be beneficial. The most beneficial is where they've probably got an internal content hire. Like they've got somebody managing us and like kind of controlling from the inside, but then they use us as their strategic scaffolding, production Mm -hmm. maximizing, you know, just the the workforce that gets things done, gets them to where they want to go. But I'm curious, like what your experience has been with regards to that. You've seen tons of companies get hired. You've also, I think you have an interesting perspective because you launched your own company and probably had to deal with the psychological battles of letting go of certain aspects. Oh yeah. 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 For sure. And I'm doing it very differently the second time around with Editor Ninja because like at Credo, I could do the I could do the sales calls, I could do the vetting calls, I could do the introductions, I could do the follow-ups. Like I'm a good salesperson. But at Editor Ninja, it's interesting because like I'm not an editor. <laughs> you know, like I can't, I literally cannot deliver the work myself. So like I'm being forced to hire people. So like Credo at its largest so far has been four full-time people. Editor Ninja has, and like a couple contractors. Editor Ninja right now has, uh, I have five like part time editors. Um, like I've, I have a bigger headcount. I've as big of a headcount on Editor Ninja six months in as I've ever had at Credo. Mm. Is that a function of like the product itself, or is that a function of your psychological change saying, like, I need these extra people to level me up because I know I'm not going to get there myself? It's both. It's both for sure. Um, yeah. Cause at Credo, it was like, you know, I did all the, you know, betting calls um, and that sort of thing for years um, and actually tried to automate a lot of that away. Um, and our metrics just like took a crazy like dive because um, mm-hmm. I was so busy and I was like, why the hell am I spending all this time talking to these yahoos, right? Some of them, <laughs> you know, a lot of them are great people, but some of them I'm just like, this is just wasting my time. Like, what am I doing here? So I was like, let's just all this build product and automate it. And we did. And our metrics took a huge dive. And then I was like, all right, now I actually need to hire someone. And as soon as I hired like my, my, uh, my success person, Emily, who just took all of those calls off my plate. I mean, I'm talking 15, 20 calls a week. Like I got three days a week back. Yeah. It's insane. And what can you do with three days a week? Like if you had three days a week back from things that you're doing that like are no longer worth your time, 
how much more could you grow your business? You know, you could almost start a whole Um, new company in three days a week. That was the unlock, you know? And so like even at editor ninja now, like, yes, part of it is I'm not an editor, so I actually can't do the edit. Yeah. I, I shouldn't do the editing. Um, but like, you know, our process, part of our process is a double quality insurance process. So the editor edits, they check their own work, then they send it to QA and someone like checks their work, catches anything that's been missed and sends it back to the client. I'm not even doing that anymore. My, I, I have someone doing that for me. So that's just operational, right? Which I can do it. I was doing it for a couple months, but now my, uh, my, you know, my, my lead editor, uh, Sophia is doing all of that for me. Um, so like I get to focus on the marketing, the sales, the business model and hiring. Right. And, and I, so I work on the business. I don't work like in the day-to-day like operations. Um, and it's growing, you know, so much faster just because of that. So um, yeah, but, but a lot of it was that like mindset shift. And I think that's the mindset shift that too many entrepreneurs just don't, don't get over. Um, yeah, that was so, hard for me, David and Allie, I will say psychologically more than anything and like doing it, building it on the side, so to speak. I mean, we worked a lot. Yeah. It was like, yeah. when I say, I always put in, in quotes on the side, cause it was like quite a bit of hours. It wasn't like, you know, sure. two hour, four hour week project, but like we didn't have functionally like 40 hour, 50 hour work week to put in. So we couldn't really do everything ourselves. So we had like a forcing mm-hmm. function to, to basically let go of things that we didn't want to let go of. But, um, yeah. I want to go back to Credo. Um, One thing we should probably do is like, I know what Credo is. I think a lot of people listening probably do, but do you want to give like just a a general, you know, kind of elevator pitch as to like how the company works and like how it came to be and stuff like that. And then we can kind of go into specifics uh, after that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So Credo is a company that I founded in actually its first iteration was uh, February, 2013. So it's been nine years now. Um, I was working for an agency in New York City and was doing some consulting on the side. And basically, long story short, had gotten some raises and and didn't need the money anymore. And was 28 years old, single, living in Brooklyn, spending two weekends a month in my apartment doing work for clients for money that I didn't need. And so decided I was going to stop doing that. And uh, you know, told them kind of mid, I guess mid November ish. I set December 31st of that year to stop. And so I started getting the question, well, who should I work with, right? If you're not doing this anymore, who should I work with? And so I just started uh, kind of pinging my friends and being like, hey, have this, uh, have this client that I'm getting rid of, you know, can you do this work? And they're like, yep, absolutely. Can you make the intro? Sure. And so I was just doing it for free. Um, and it actually worked out really well because I did stop into that year. And uh, actually it was 20, yeah, so 2013. And uh, I stopped end of 2012 consulting. And three weeks later, I met my now wife. So I actually had time to date her and hang out with her and all that. Um, but, uh, in February of that year, got in a lead that a friend, uh, that was in a friend's agency's like hometown in Utah. So I pinged my buddy, Brandon. I'm like, Hey man, I got in this lead. They're right down the street from you. Would you be willing to pay 50 bucks for the intro? He goes, yeah. What's your PayPal? Three minutes later, I had 50 bucks, my PayPal account made the, made the intro to him. He closed the work, made thousands of dollars. I went and bought a domain name and threw it up on some shared hosting that I had. Um, so it was a side project for a few years. And then I got laid off um, from my job at Zillow within Zillow Group um, at uh, September 2015 and decided to work for myself. So basically what Credo does is we help companies find the right digital agency to work with. Primarily digital marketing, SEO, content, Facebook ads, 
Google ads, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and, and increasingly more like people looking for development help, right? Cause like marketing development design all kind of go in together. Um, and we have agencies that do all of that, some full service, some specialized. Um, and we take a high touch approach to, uh, helping people figure out what do they need? What are they looking for? What's their budget? All that sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, and then we actually introduce them to the right agencies within our network. So we built our own custom software where we connect them up. Um, so we'll create a project form. We'll bring the agencies onto their project and we'll actually schedule the, the client with the agencies as well for those introductory phone calls. Um, so that's what we do. Um, we also have a kind of a, a more like automated, um, you know, self-serve option as well. Um, if companies prefer that, um, but yeah, that's basically what we do. We've helped 6,500 plus companies, um, in the last, uh, really since 2015, honestly. Um, cause before that there wasn't much, uh, I wasn't working on it much. Um, so since 2015, um, generated over $250 million. So a quarter of a billion dollars with a B in digital marketing leads in that time. Um, and we've made agencies over $50 million that we've directly tracked. So there's probably been a lot more um, that we haven't tracked, but we but we can directly track uh, over $50 million in revenue for agencies since 2015. And do you do you monetize with just um, kind of a referral or, or a kickback fee on like a per deal basis? Like a company comes in, hires us, you take that 5 10% or whatever that is uh, upon the deal closing or, or is it like, so that's like a membership or... It's both. (laughs) So on our, uh, so we kind of have have levels of agencies, as I said. So we have what we call our network, which is our larger set of agencies, like 100, 110 agencies, something like that, that have all applied. We've vetted them out. We've approved them. They've joined. Um, And so that's a a free membership. And then they can buy basically leads on a per lead basis, um, you know, kind of depending on how much much contact information we have and whether we spoke Mm -hmm. with them, right? So if we've spoken with them and there's an email and a phone, it's worth more than someone that we haven't spoken with that there's just an email, right? Um, But we we do also uh, vet those out. We approve those um, manually um, where, you know, people can't just come in and spam us. and then we, we have a, a membership um, on that level as well. So it's uh, currently $329 a month if you pay per month or $249 a month if you pay quarterly. Um, and that gets you access to all of those leads. Um, and then our top agencies, mostly full-service agencies, right? Full-service digital agencies, um, they're paying us anywhere from $1,700 to five grand a month um, as a retainer. Um, so we're basically, we, we call it sales pipeline. So we're generating them sales pipeline. Um, and then they also pay us a commission on the back end when they close. So we're actually monetizing the lead itself. Um, which takes some risk off of our uh, off of our plate and, and kind of balances the risk between us and the agency. Um, and then we uh, and then we basically get compensated when the agency um, closes as well um, because that's obviously worth a lot more, you know, to them. Um, and then we're able to go and reinvest in um, in growth. So I've run four or five different models um, with this business. The first one was actually a ten percent of a closed project for the first three months, mm-hmm. which was terrible. Because I was building in 100% churn every three months, <laughs> it was right, awful, right. and also 10%. Like that's crazy. Um, so well, that's the, the model we that we now, use. Most yeah. agencies do that as like a referral fee, right? Like that's why I asked about yep. that. Is is yep. like when yep. when there's a problem, it, you hit on something, and I don't, I don't even know if you deliberately did this, but there was like this disparate yeah. space of most agencies gr- growing through referrals, right? Like that's a common thing mm-hmm. you hear. We just get referrals, yeah. and word of mouth, and that's such a yeah. typical rate. Is like 10% initial yeah. contract. 10% of the first three months. So it's like you consolidate a lot of that and then built a better model based mm-hmm. on that. Well, and the re- here's the reason why I actually hate that model. Um, from my perspective as a, as a business owner in this space, it's impossible for me to build a scalable business on that model, that like straight referral model. Also then 
as an entrepreneur myself, right? So I assume there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this. I am then putting my revenue in someone else's hands, someone that mm-hmm. I can't train that isn't like incent that yes, they're incentivized because they want to grow their business, but entrepreneurs are stubborn as hell, right? So they're like, they're not going to listen to me. I've done so much sales training with people and the people that have actually listened have substantially grown their business. Like our top agency on Credo, four, three, four years ago, they, they got in touch and they're like, Hey, we feel like we're struggling to close leads. Can you help us out? I hopped on a call for two hours with them, took them through the sales training that I have that I sell on Credo. It's called our accelerator course. They have gone from $700,000 a year to this year. Um, they've acquired some other agencies along the way, but this year that agency itself is going to do $5.6 million in revenue, eight X in three years. And guess where that trajectory changed? I'm not taking credit for all of it, but their trajectory changed when I taught them how to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that worked out well, but for the most part, like agencies, especially marketing agencies are really bad at sales. They don't invest in sales training. Right. Um, and so like, it's, it, it was impossible to build a business just off of that, um, because someone else was controlling my revenue. Um, so hard lesson learned, but also that model is bad for agencies because you don't get anything consistent. You're taking the crumbs. You're getting what other people don't want. <laughs> is literally what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you actually want to grow, you actually want to invest in growth, you should pay someone up front to go and, and, you know, generate those leads for you. And if the performance isn't there, well, that's the same thing as clients hiring you, right? They're not like, you're not just taking a percentage of like revenue based off of growth that you get for them, right? They're actually paying you for your time. So we're kind of doing the agency model as well, but we're also getting a percentage on the back end um, from agencies. So, you know, I, I know that agencies prefer the referral model. They prefer like just the 10%. Why wouldn't they? There's no risk to you, right? right. Um, I'm taking on all the risk, but then I also don't have the revenue necessarily to invest in growth to be able to get you more work, to make you more money so that then you can pay me more money so we can invest in more growth, right? It's a virtuous cycle. So um, that's that's why I, I, that's why I don't run that model. Um, and why uh, I actually think it's bad for agencies to like just rely on that. Um, plus like, it, you know, it's it's not a scalable channel, right? One of your partners gets bought, and all of a sudden, that you know, entrepreneur that you were buddies with way back in the day that was sending you all these leads, and he's no longer in that business. Guess what? Your lead flow is gone. Mm-hmm. So, would you recommend? I mean, Credo is obviously like the the. You, I mean, you built this to solve this problem, but I get pitched all the time on LinkedIn. You know, like these SDR agencies will 10x yeah. your leads. Uh, you know, for agency growth yeah. and all that stuff. Is that <laughs> the kind of thing that you're? Yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> I mean, they must be doing something right. There's so many of them, right? Um, yeah. Is there is that a valid approach? Like you're, you're recommending maybe hiring some sort of an SDR, BDR, somebody who can prospect and get you leads in the door. Mm-hmm. And then the closing process that maybe the founder still, that maybe like somebody you hire, but like, is that like a yep. valid approach to agency growth? You're saying like, maybe like decouple it from the, the marginal 10% um, you know, hit to your margins on a referral and actually mm-hmm. go out and source your own leads. Like is Yep. Credo is one way. Is is that kind yep. of like outbound way, another way, or how would you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually, I, I think in frameworks and I actually have a framework for this one. So it's, it, to me, it's, I call it the ladder of lead generation. So when you're starting off a, an agency, a service business, any sort of service business, bottom rung is referrals. Referrals mm-hmm. are great, right? You can, you get started there. That's where you get your first customers. Then you have to go to your owned channels, right? So SEO, content, podcasts, that sort of thing, right? So, so you're building up your name and you're, you're starting to get people coming in that you don't necessarily know. Um, but you know, you basically learn how to, you learn how to sell them, you learn how to onboard them, you learn how to fulfill it, that sort of stuff. Then the next level is paid. So Google ads, Facebook ads, you know, YouTube ads, like that sort of stuff. 
because that's a different level of, uh, of, of someone, uh, that's a different level of qualification right there, right? Mm-hmm. They're a little bit colder. They were maybe in the market or they saw you on Facebook or they saw you on YouTube and they're interested and they contact, but they're not quite sure, right? So it's a different kind of sales process there. And then finally is the accelerance of, so once you've kind of learned how to sell across those three, referral, owned, slash organic and paid, then at the top is what I call the accelerance. So it's like, it's companies like Credo. It's these, you know, BDR uh, agencies that you're talking about. I actually, I actually, uh, for me, BDR business development rep is outbound SDR is inbound and qualifying mm-hmm. inbound. So they're queuing up, uh, they're qualifying leads that are coming in inbound ads, organic, et cetera, um, and queuing them up for a closer and an account executive, right. That at an agency under about 15 people is, is usually the founder and should be the founder. Yeah. Um, once you get about 12, 12 to 15 people is where I see agencies start hiring, uh, closers, uh, account executives, um, uh, and, and that's actually where I see a lot of agencies stall out because they, they fail to hire well there. Um, but yes, I do think that, um, you know, uh, yeah, LinkedIn, you know, that sort of stuff can be a great, um, a great channel for, uh, for agencies. Um, it doesn't work for Credo simply because we're not selling like ongoing recurring work to, uh, to clients, right. We're basically monetizing that lead one time and, you know, introducing them to multiple people. So like we make, on a, a project that we introduce to agencies, um, we make twelve hundred to fifteen hundred bucks, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but like, you know, if I'm paying three hundred bucks for a call, <laughs> you know, or five hundred bucks for a call, six hundred bucks for a call, right? And then like, you know, one in one in two, one in three is actually qualified, right? Like, I'm upside down before you even get them introduced. Um, right. So it doesn't work for us. But if you're like selling high, especially if you're selling high ticket ongoing retainers, you know that you can retain people for a long time, you know, your profit margins in it, that sort of thing. I've seen it work really, really well. I know some agencies that have just doubled down on it and it's just, they've blown it out of the water. So um, it can work well, um, mm. but you know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it can be hit or miss kind of depending on your model, but if you're an agency, it, it can be a good model for you. What, what did work for Credo when you were kind of growing it out? Um, Cause you, you said you, you're attracting companies with the same, I guess, purchase intent as an agency would, would attract these companies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a company yep. like Indeed, they want an SEO agency. They want a paid acquisition yep. agency, whether they come to an agency site or Credo, they're, they're still searching for somebody to help them with their problem. So mm-hmm. I, when you were kind of building this and maybe still you're experimenting with some of this, what were the acquisition channels that kind of caught on? And actually, more interestingly, what were things you thought were going to work, but were surprised actually didn't work at all? Oh, man, that's a great question. That, actually, no one's ever asked me that one before. Um, so the things that that did work for us, it's funny because agencies will be like, well, where do you get your leads from? I'm like, I do the same thing you guys do. <laughs> we do SEO. We do content. We do Google ads. We do retargeting on Facebook. We do retargeting on LinkedIn. We do some YouTube advertising, like all of that. Um, at the start, though, it was referral. Funny enough, mm-hmm. right? It was mm-hmm. referral. So like I was, um, you know, I, I was still blogging on Moz when Moz the Moz blog was a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I remember in uh, like the real like accelerant for us that kicked up our growth really well was I think it was end of 2017. Rand Fishkin did a whiteboard Friday about how to hire a good SEO company, which mm-hmm. ranked number one for hire an SEO company for a long time. And he mentioned he mentioned someone else and Credo, and like 
boom, leads blew up overnight. So like a couple hits like that really like, you know, took us to the next level. Um, and since then it's been all SEO content, um, in the last really nine, nine to 12 months, Google ads has been a bigger, uh, part of our pie of our acquisition pie. Um, we figured out the metrics and, and made it profitable and made it work. Um, things that didn't work, um, conference sponsorships, waste of money for us. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't invest that much, probably 10K total, um, total, but but waste of money for us. That's more of a branding thing. I think it could be better for us now. And I would do, a, you know, we're a sponsor, but by being a sponsor, I also get a speaking slot because speaking slots work really well. Um, and, and so that's actually one that's worked really well for Credo is honestly podcasts um, and is working well for Editor Ninja as well to acquire people there um, is podcasts and, and education. Um, like I'm, a, I'm an educator. I come from a family of educators. I have three, my mom, my grandma, my great grandma were all, uh, all teachers. Um, so like, I love to teach um, via writing, via voice, et cetera. Um, so like stages have worked really well for us, but just like sponsorships, getting our logo somewhere has not worked well. Um, and, uh, and then outbound. Um, so I last year, and so th- there's three, uh, conferences and getting our logo up there outbound. And, um, uh, the final one is, uh, actually Facebook ads, interestingly. Um, so did not work for us. Well, it worked in a way, but I'll, I'll dig into that in a second. Um, outbound didn't work for us because of what I already mentioned, where like we're not selling ongoing, you know, retainers to these like clients coming in looking to hire. Um, I have a couple of things I'm working on the back end that may make that potentially a little bit viable. Viable, um, but that that one just didn't work for us. I wasted probably fifteen thousand dollars on that. Um, like, did you try $15, one of those? Um those outbound. I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're great to work with. Um, but I think I had four calls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like four grand a call, it's insane. Um, and then Facebook ads, um, just like the direct, the direct response of like, of Facebook ads for like someone looking for an agency just doesn't work on Facebook. Facebook to me is much more like, um, you know, it works great, obviously for e-com direct to consumer. Like I've got so many like direct to consumer shoe companies, like shoes sitting down here in my office because freaking Facebook and Instagram, right. It's so effective, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like, it just, it just didn't work for us. Um, it did work for driving email subscribers. Um, so it's like lead magnets and such, but we got very few like calls out of those. So we grew our email list, which was cool. Um, but it also ended up costing me more money because I had to upgrade my active campaign instance because we had so many emails. Um, so uh, yeah, and a lot of them just like junk, right? Um, and they just aren't going to convert. So yeah, so Facebook ads, I mean, we spend like a grand a month right now on Facebook ads, something like that versus we spend 6x that on Google ads. Um, and and you were doing uh, more of the just remarketing stuff with that as well too, right? Where, where it's somebody that you kind of know, like they were on your website, mm-hmm. they just didn't convert. So like it's it's a little more low-hanging fruit than just kind of targeting an audience that you don't know the value of and trying to get them on right. some lead magnet. And you don't know like how they're going to yep. nurture after that. And there's yep. just a lot of uncertainty. Yep. Well, so we still do the retargeting and we're spending mm-hmm. 600 to $1,000 a month. Um, and that, that, that can work well. And actually what we do is we, um, we actually retarget them back to a lead magnet. Um, mm-hmm. cause like they came to the site and they were just on like a, you know, we drive a lot of traffic through our, through our content, right. Through our blog or guides, like that sort of stuff. Um, so it's people more looking for information about marketing, looking how to do something like, like that sort of stuff. Um, anyone that's coming into like our, you know, category pages are like, you know, best healthcare SEO agencies, like category page, you know, like they're looking to hire and they're probably going to convert. Um, and so we show them a different message, but anyone else we drive them to a lead magnet. 
Um, so like that's still, we get, I don't know, 50 to a hundred new emails a month, something like that based off of that spend. So not too bad, right? Dollar, you know, was that five, five, ten dollars a month or five, ten dollars an email? Not too bad. Um, but uh yeah, like the the kind of build lookalike audiences based off of the people that inquired, like that sort of stuff, the more cold traffic. Yeah, it drove some sign up, it drove some, you know, some uh, email subs and and that kind of thing, but it didn't actually turn into leads for us into increase people looking to hire an agency because people come into credo. Um, they are, they're in the market, obviously to hire an agency and it's kind of 50, 50, uh, the, the mindset that they're in half of it is they're, they're going and they're researching, right. They're doing their own research. Um, they've contacted a number of agencies and they're looking for more options. And then they come across Credo and they're like, Oh, this one's different. Let me get some introductions. Right. Um, some of them are great. And they're like, wow, these are way better than what I found. Um, you know, on my own, some of them are like, ah, I just want one more. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> really? Um, like that, that, and we're a productized service. Like that's, that's not how we work, you know? Um, but, uh, the other half are people and actually in our best, and we were, and we were talking before about like your best customers are the ones that, you know, they come in, um, they have a, probably a, like a head of content they use omniscient as kind of an accelerant to get more content out there. And they know they like, want content. Pieces. They know the value of content already. Right. That's the main thing is like, they've already hired exactly. internally and they're already investing yep. in it. We don't have to convince them yep. of the channel of content. That's a whole other job. Exactly. Exactly. And so for us, the best ones are the best leads that come to us are the ones that they, uh, they have like an in-house head of marketing. Maybe they have a marketing manager um, who might be the head of marketing because um, titles are weird. Um, just in, in the professional world, titles land, are weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but they worked with an agency before, mm. right? Um, those not like, it, they, maybe they've worked with freelancers and they've realized the challenge of that having like, basically you build out like a, you know, a team of freelancers that aren't really invested. Right. Um, and you're man- all of a sudden you find yourself managing seven people. Right. And so like, all right, I need an agency, but they're still in that like freelancer $20 an hour sort of mindset, which is not where the best agencies are. Um, but the people that are bet that we find are best are ones that have worked with an agency that took them from say, you know, just, just like throw out traffic numbers, right. Took them from 5,000 to 50,000 organic visits a month but they've been stuck at that 50,000 visits a month for six to nine months. And the agency has been doing stuff and nothing's working. Hmm. So they need to move to a new agency. So the ones that have worked with an agency before that understand what a good agency does for them, what a good agency costs, and then have outgrown the agency or the consultant or whoever that they're currently working with and are looking for someone for their new phase of growth. Those are the best ones uh, for us, right? Um because those people have also, so they, they know what it is to work with an agency. They work successfully with an agency. The people that are like, I've hired five agencies and they were all trash. Well, I hate, hate to tell you, like either you're really bad at hiring. If you don't fix that, like what's the common you're, denominator, you're, you're, you're yeah. going to do it again. Or what's the common denominator here? Exactly. <laughs> that's the, that's the right way to put it. Um, but I've had 10 bad ex-boyfriends have, and I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's all, they're all jerks. Well, <laughs> um, but, but also those uh, companies that have hired agencies before that have worked successfully with them. Um, they've also probably hired bad agencies and they've, uh, mm. they've, they know how much of a pain it is to find a good one. So they come to us and they're like, I've done it before. I don't want to do it again. Or I need to get going faster. Like just get me introduced to the right people. Right. Um, so we actually, you know, we compress with people for the right clients coming through Credo. We compress the hiring process from on average 10 to 12 weeks for a company that's doing their own research and interviewing and that sort of stuff. We compress that to three to five weeks. So they get an extra couple of months of actually executing on the marketing as opposed to just trying to hire. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that evaluation process takes forever. Well, and the other thing you're solving for is maybe the trust problem, because like you kind of alluded to, a lot of agencies in any space, whether it's SEO, content, paid, whatever it is, uh, there's a lot of bad ones. And like a lot of people get burned Mm -hmm. and some realize it and some don't. Because I've had a lot of calls where like Mm -hmm. we kind of go into what we do and they're like, oh, this, this content roadmap report isn't just a list of keywords. Wow. Because the other agency we worked with just gave huh. us a keyword dump. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you have Ahrefs, yeah. so you could just pull that. Like that's, that's, we can't charge for that. You know what I mean? Right, so you, right, you're solving totally. for a little bit of that trust problem yeah. by having these vetted agencies. Yeah. And do you, yeah. how explicit is that? Like, how do you, is that something you talk about with companies that come in pretty saliently? Like, is that something top of mind where they're like, Hey, how do we know that these agencies you have are good? Yeah. Um, it is something that we get that we get asked about. And so what we do is we point them back to why Credo exists in the first place. When I started Credo, it was a part of it was me getting out of doing my own consulting. Part of it too was that I had three friends in the span of about two months contact me because their organic traffic had taken a beating because they hired so-and-so from overseas for $99 a month. One of my friends lost 70% of his, of his business overnight because his India SEO agency got him banned. Wow. I was so mad. I was like, I know the good people. <laughs> I know who can help you here, right? Let me, please let me introduce you to people. Um, so, you know, I, I literally started the company out of that frustration of people hiring bad agencies when there are so many good agencies out there. Um, so we point them back to that story. We tell that story. We also show them, we have go to getcreator.com slash about slash vetting. You can see our vetting process. It's a three-step 28-point vetting process that we put everyone through. Every agency that we're introducing people that are basically spending 50 grand plus a year on marketing, that's what they, we put them through our high touch process. Everyone else goes through our um, kind of our, our broader network. Um, but uh, we uh, every agency that we're introducing them to like that, we know them personally. We've worked with them for years. We talk with them monthly. We email with them weekly. We know them. We've referred them multiple you know clients over the years and we've gotten their feedback. They've got reviews on their profile. They've got case studies on their profile, right? Like we show you everything that we can and we require this from our agencies because that trust is necessary, right? Um, and, uh, and, and, and we also tell them like, look, those are also the things that you should look at. You should ask them like, Hey, if you're, you know, if you're in an unregulated industry, right. So you're like, I don't, I don't even know. You're a, uh, you're, uh, I guess, con- I don't know. Say you're a construction company, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want someone that has worked with construction companies before. Um, yeah, that, that's a nice to have. What you really need is someone that has experience driving business in a local area, right? And has a good process for driving business in a local area. So that's what you ask them about. Not necessarily like, hey, can you, you know, find a can you show me a construction company in my area that you've done work for? People, people overrate There's that. Maybe don't they? two. It's crazy. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. But in regulated industries, healthcare, medical, like that sort of stuff, I get it. Like, you know, agency needs to understand HIPAA and all that stuff. But like 99% of industries are not. Um, you know, we had someone come in years ago that they were like, they were a startup in Silicon Valley. Startups are pain in the ass to work with. Um, <laughs> cause they, you know, they all think they're unique snowflakes and they're not. Um, and they were like, this is what we're doing. We want the, we want you to introduce us to the agency that was doing work for these three competitors of ours. <laughs> I was like, why, why are you contacting me about that? You go find that. <laughs> like there's like two agencies that, you know, in the world that, that are probably doing this work, right? You can go find them. And also like, they're not going to work with you because 
you know, because they're working with your competitors, right? Like it's just not how it works. When, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to get a differentiated playbook or you're going to get the same copy and paste. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you just want you just want to rinse, you know, rinse and repeat, right? Like you're behind them, like they're they're already like <laughs> out got a head start, you, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. They have a huge head start, right? You want to go like use the you know use the same coach, like you know, ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it's uh people do way like overweight that like industry experience, but that's usually because they don't really understand what it takes to succeed in that channel, right? They don't understand that it's a process. Um. And what really matters is working with an agency or consultant or whatever who uh, has experience working with your type of business. So, like if you're if you're a SaaS business, don't go hire a freaking you know e-commerce marketing agency, right? Like they're used to working with e-commerce businesses and driving you know uh, you know average cart orders of eighty nine dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. They're not going to help you, you know, they're not going to generate leads for you that you're selling to the enterprise, right? And you have a, you know, a, a total like customer pool of 1500 potentials, right? They're not, they're not going to be the right ones for you. So you want someone that has, that has experience in the channel, deep experience in the channel, provable experience in the channel by testimonials, uh, case studies, that kind of thing for the kind of business that you are in the stage that you are, right? If you're a brand new uh, SaaS startup, don't go hire the SEO agency that Slack is working with because Slack was acquired for $20 billion by Salesforce. They are light years ahead of you mm-hmm. and agencies working with them aren't going to know what the heck to do with you, right? Find the agent, find agencies that work with SaaS companies that are doing, t- you know, 10K a month that has a founder that is, you know, that, that is in the weeds, that is a good writer and wants to go and execute on it, on it themselves, right? If that's where you are, if you're doing hundred K a month and you have a marketing team, right? You have a marketing leader, then you know, find an agency you know that is used to working with marketing leaders that can help you drive the strategy and also be an accelerant for you to fulfill the work. But you are owning the strategy, you are owning the metrics, et cetera, internally. Um, so yeah, it, it's all about uh, an agency that has the experience in the channel for the kind of business that you are in the states that you are. That is who companies should hire. That's who companies should look for. That was super valuable. Thank you. Um, it did hit on another point that I like to. Um... It's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I don't know if it's a pet peeve, but like uh, at conferences, uh, it's like this contextual knowledge problem. So the vantage point from which somebody gives advice is inherently biased by their experience. So like I used Mm. to go to all these CRO and experimentation conferences and you get people talking Mm -hmm. about like, oh, how you run 10,000 experiments a year at Microsoft and booking.com. And then like startups would take that advice and be like, all right, we've just got to like hit the ground running, cheapen the cost of experiments, run a hundred a month. And it's like, you have (laughs) not not even close to the amount of traffic for that. And then on the flip side, like you'd have the startup people talking about how don't test button colors, like don't test this and that. And it's like, well, if you are at that scale, like that stuff totally could be marginally effective because it's such a cheap experiment to run. But they were just right. talking past each other because they have had different experiential bases yeah. for their knowledge and, and God, yeah. content and SEO. It's like how many times <laughs> I've seen people try to copy HubSpot's playbook without realizing they started it, you know, 12, 14 years ago and in a right. totally different yeah. climate with their specific knowledge and industry and writers. And it's like, you know, if they started today and use that same playbook, it might not even work for them. But I exactly. see this all the time in yep. the space. Just this lack of like I saw flexibility someone, strategically. I saw someone yesterday mention NerdWallet, right? Because NerdWallet is held up mm-hmm. as this like god of SEO, right? Yeah. My buddy Ian used to run SEO there. They have 150 SEOs, content managers, content marketers, and um, and writers and editors. 150 on that team. Mm-hmm. 
you're not going to compete with them if you're a founder. <laughs> if you're just a founder, like, are you kidding me? You have to find you a know, different edge. A, That's the whole point of strategy. Right. Exactly. You have to take a different approach to you know, find a different edge. Um, it, that, you're right. That is exactly that is the whole point of strategy, and this is why you pay an expert to help you identify what that different strategy could be, right? Um, and then to basically execute upon it. The reason you hire is to get outside, um, you, and you should be looking to hire people better than you, right? Um, so if you're if you're hiring people that are better than you, they're going to give you insight and point out things that you don't already know, um, and then uh, you know, and, and then you hiring an agency, you're hiring a team. You're hiring a team for the cost of one or two full-time people. You're mm-hmm. getting a whole team kind of doing these things, right? You're getting all these different roles that you would have to piece together. So it just makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah, it's 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 totally true. Like uh, th- this is one of my peeves as well of the like, you know, people give this advice. They're like talking at MicroConf and I love MicroConf. I lo- love it to death. Like Rob and the team over there are fantastic. It's been great for my career and my businesses, but um, you know, people get up on stage and they talk about like, you know, something, you know, that they're like now $50 million a year, like SaaS company is doing. And they're talking to people that are doing 15 K as a solo founder with a couple of contractors, right? Like, yeah, it's inspirational, but don't go and try to copy them. You know, mm-hmm. um, like there need to be more people that are like, and microcomp does a great job of this. People that are like, you know, if most of your audience is doing 15, 20 K a month, get people that have gone on that, have, that were there when they first came to microcomp and now they're doing 50, 60 K a month with a, with a few people full time and a bunch of contractors. And, you know, they're working on building the business and not just, you know, cause it, cause they still remember the stages. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, don't go ask Ian how he, how like nerd wallet, you know, built its, uh, built its program when he came in with, you know, 50 people on the team. So I don't, I don't know if that's the number, but like he came into a mature organization, go find someone that has built, you know, that, that is in the last two years has built a, you know, an, an SEO juggernaut in their space. Right. Because they remember what it was like to start from nothing and to get to where they are now. And they can teach you what those steps were. Cause those are the steps that you need. Right. Don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 10 and don't apply the same tactics that someone is doing in their chapter 10 to your chapter one or even chapter three or even chapter five, right? You need to know I'm at one. How do I get to three? I'm at three. How do I get to five? I'm at five. How do I get to seven? Once you're at seven, then yeah, learn from chapter 10, right? Be inspired by the person at you know chapter 10, but don't, don't try to replicate their strategies or tactics. Learn their yeah. frameworks though, because that's what's going to get you to that point. I love that. Yeah. This is, it's such an interesting problem. This problem of like sifting through and finding the right advice to apply and like what to ignore. Mm. Cause I also find like there's the contextual problem, but then there's also people get on hobby horses, you know, like people get like their ideologically stubborn points and they, they only look at the world through that lens. You know, people Mm. who believe backlinks don't matter. People who believe that you should do this or that, you know what I mean? Like you see it on Twitter all the time and it's usually speakers. Like they, they've usually got some viewpoint that they're trying to sell. And I wonder sometimes like for myself, cause I think that does sell. Like when you've got a hard, strong opinion mm-hmm. and a stance, and I think that's yeah. easier to parse out. It's easier to latch onto. And if people agree with you, they're going to be attracted to you. And if people don't, they're going to be repulsed. And that's great. That's how you build a brand. But sometimes I wonder, I'm like, I, I just, feel like I live in this gray area at all times, yeah. you know, the strong opinions like weekly <laughs> yeah. held, like mine are very weakly yeah. held. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, yeah, thought leadership content is the way to go. Sometimes I'm yeah. like, no, just print money with SEO, bottom funnel. stuff. you know, like I, I can right. see every angle and it just depends mm-hmm. so much on the, the nuanced circumstances that I don't know. I kind of wish I could be one of those like hard driven, like this is the way type people. 
I know, you know, we have a competitor in the, the, in the credo space that they, they're, they come from the agency world and they're like kind of unofficial tagline is you don't need an agency. Like don't hire an agency. You never need an agency. You just need a bunch of senior experts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's so wrong or it's not wrong. No, it is wrong. It's not nuanced. Right. Like I'm, I'm the same as you, man. I see like, there is some black, there is some white in the world, but man, there's a whole, I don't even call it shades of gray. I call it a rainbow. There's yeah. a whole rainbow in the world of like, you know, different stages and different colors and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's hard that like that doesn't get the, it, it doesn't get the attention. And if you try to be nuanced, like anytime I've tried to be nuanced, I just get reamed because people mm-hmm. are like, no, it's this way. No, it's this way. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how, how am I the only one that's seeing this? But then you realize that like the people that vehemently disagree with you that are very black and white are the ones commenting publicly and the ones on the back end that messaging you, DMing you, messaging you on Facebook, et cetera. Like, I remember I got reamed about something like six months ago on Facebook and like, actually like it actually like broke some friendships because some people were just like wow. horrible. Um, but I like, I deleted the post because I was like, this isn't freaking worth it. And I posted something about like, I deleted it, not worth it. Like if you're mad at me after that, feel free to like unfriend me. Like Facebook is just made friend me nothing in this world, but um, like, feel free to like disconnect with me. Right. Um, and I, I probably got 40 direct messages saying like, Hey man, I totally agreed with you. Like, I'm sorry you like that happened to you. So like anyways, but yeah, it is like the, the black and white can work so well for marketing, but I don't know, man, it's not, it's not who I am. And honestly, dude, I don't want to attract more black and white people. If you're black and white, you're going to attract black and white people. If you're nuanced, you're going to attract attract beginners. I think, I think because at CXL, we never took a hard line and I think it attracted a much smaller audience, but it attracted a much Mm -hmm. more, you know, like the Neil Patel audience is maybe a bit like larger and it's, it's more beginner. There's very strong, like, this is how you do things. But then at CXL, like we would always say like, well, it depends, you know, and, and as an SEO right. yourself, you know, that phrase, that famous phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a frustrating a one. On my arm. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, it's always yeah. the answer, but then you understand like yeah. you've got to, you, if there's two competing ideas in your head, like, yes, it depends, yeah. but you still have to like say something that, you know, the yep. person can actually use and chew on and like take into their business. So it's like exactly. balancing those two things in your head yep. is, is the whole, the whole battle of strategy. And, well, and so here's how you figure online. out. Yeah. And here's how you figure out an expert. You ask someone, hey, what about this thing for SEO? And if they just say it depends. On what? <laughs> yeah, on what, right? But but the, the real experts are going to go, it depends. Tell me more about that question. Tell mm-hmm. me more about your situation, right? And then from there, then it yeah, it depends on what? Depends on your situation. Depends on your experience. It depends on your market. Depends on all these things, right? So like, give me that information and then I can start giving you answers, right? If you just say like, do backlinks matter? Depends. For who? In what space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, if you just stop at it, it depends. What's your you price might, like, you might like be all full these of things? Shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. Do backlinks matter? Maybe. Right. And and but but I'm gonna go on and explain myself, right? Because I actually know this stuff. Um. So yeah. But but I also want to find the people that and, and this is a balance here. I want to find the people that are open to those conversations and that want to dig into the it depends, but not just to dig into it because they're intellectually curious, but because it actually drives action. 
Mm-hmm. There are so many people out there that they're like, they're just debating this shit left, right, and center all over the place. I hope I can swear on the show yeah, left, totally. right, and center, you know, uh, and just going round and round. Like it's been the same freaking debates in the SEO world for the last 12 years. I've been in it. I'm so freaking tired of it because it doesn't actually drive action for people. Right. Um, like, oh, we're discussing this again. Don't care. <laughs> Right. <laughs> this like, conversation again. Take yeah, that it's just thing, circular. put it into action and see if it actually works. Right. Um, so like, yes, discuss these things, debate these things. It's good. But if there's, if there's no actual like results or action behind it, it's worthless is my take. So yeah. I think, yeah, that's interesting. I com- coming from the CRO space, like one conversation, it's almost a jo- It is a joke at this point. My friend, Justin, and I talk about this where every six yeah. months or so we'll see on this Facebook group or on LinkedIn, this debate where it's like, we got to change the name of CRO. It doesn't accurately <laughs> explain what we do. And it's like, is this what we're going to talk about? Is, instead of providing value to the oh businesses, we're going to talk about the name, the acronym, right. you know, but then there's right. other interesting areas where it's like, yeah, do backlinks matter? And maybe that's, that's not the right question. It's like, Yes, mm-hmm. or it depends. Like that's kind of the, the nuance. And then you start asking yeah. more interesting questions like what's the marginal value of backlink? What's the opportunity cost of doing manual link building versus like passive link building? Like, where could I put other resources? And even to the point of like a, a bigger issue, like you get these staunch people saying, like, oh, con- you have to have a blog, you have to do content marketing. But it's like, okay, that's a very broad umbrella. How much content marketing mm-hmm. do you have to do? When right. does it become an opportunity cost? When should you switch to other initiatives? Those are things that actually allow you to win at business, which is the whole point of all right. this. It's not some academic intellectual exercise as to like which is better, which is yeah. worse, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah, the and the question of like, do backlinks matter? Like it's a very amateur question, right? Mm-hmm. No expert is gonna ask you that question. No one that's actually like learned anything is that actually knows anything is gonna ask that question. Unless they're just like trying to stir up some sort of engagement on social media. I have no time for that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, anyone that actually knows what they're, what they're talking about, they're not going to ask that question. They're going to ask better questions. Um, but they're also going to understand what you were just getting at is the like, okay, so I'm spending, you know, 350 bucks, a, a, a link, right? How many links do I need in order to become competitive for this keyword? Right. If I have three like link and root domains to this like services page, and my next closest competitor is 50, right? Okay. To even start being competitive, I'm probably, if I'm doing better on-page SEO and all that, like I'm probably going to need about 25 linking, good linking root domains to this page. So that's 22. So that's like, I mean, uh, I'm just, I, I used to be good at math in my head, but um, so like 22 times I said 350, right? That's $7,700. How long is it going to take me and that's just to get on the first page, right? Mm-hmm. Not even to start driving traffic. So like, let's say I have to spend $25,000 in order to get into the top three to actually driving any traffic and driving any conversions. What's my average conversion? How much is that, right? So basically you start doing the, in, in SaaS, we call it the CAC payback, right? Your yep. cost of acquisition payback time. Um, and so like, if you're under three months in SaaS, you're doing awesome. You're printing money, right? You can basically finance that with your credit cards. If you're, you know, six months is good. 12 months is like, okay. Anything longer than 12 months, unless you're in like, you know, a, a enterprise space and you're doing five-year contracts, right? Anything longer than 12 months, you, you, you're, you're going to struggle. Right. So like, but think the same way about, you know, about marketing, about backlinks, about content, like that sort of stuff. How much do we have to invest in order to, you know, get to this point to drive like X traffic based off of current conversion rates that converts at Y percent and pays us Z dollars. What does that math look like? If you're not doing that math, you're not ready to, you're not ready to invest. 
Mm-hmm. I, ah, man, I love this. <laughs> um, I almost think the content marketers, especially, should be taking courses like Reforge and like econ courses, yeah. things where you you actually learn how to build growth models and payback windows and stuff, yeah. as opposed to yeah. learning more about like when to use an M dash versus a comma. You know? Yeah. Like I feel like totally. those things. Would Let be so my beneficial. editors at Editor Ninja worry about the M dash versus the <laughs> exactly. comma versus the semicolon, right? Like. You don't need to worry about that. Focus on creating a great content strategy and writing content that people want to read and people want to share and causes them to want to sign up. So then you can put them into your funnels to get them to, to convert them into a customer. I, I completely agree. Like I've learned all of this, uh, you know, thing about like payback periods and just honestly, like how to run a business from like a, a, a numbers perspective from, I mean, A, just running my own businesses and making a ton of mistakes, but also like from, you know, working, like I'm in Damartel SaaS Academy and like, I've mm-hmm. learned so much about like, okay, from these guys that are doing, you know, $3 million, $5 million a year in revenue, right? Which is like, Credo is not quite to a million in revenue, but like, you know, we're, but, but we could get there. Um, I've learned so much from them. They're like, all right, at your stage, I started doing this. I learned this thing. This is the number that I needed to see to know where we needed to invest our, our, our you know, revenue, right? Our extra like revenue that we had in order to grow even faster. Um that that's how you that, that's how you grow and i completely agree that like you know too many too many content marketers are they're they're individual contributors they're strong mm-hmm. individual contributors even people that call themselves a content strategist most of them are just ICs. They're just individual contributors that are pulling keyword reports or getting their agency to pull them a keyword They're report. They're a content right? writer that learned how to use Ahrefs in many yeah, cases. Yeah, exactly. Not like, hey, what are our competitors doing? Or what are our competitors not doing? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, And if they're not doing it, why not? Did they do it before and they stopped? Okay. Why? Right? Like being curious and asking those questions as opposed to like, we need blog posts or I mean... <laughs> We need blogs. Like blogs is like this is a, this is a hill I will <laughs> die on. You write blog posts on a blog. You don't write blogs. Um, but like when I hear a content marketer say like we're writing five blogs a week, I'm like, why do you have five blogs? You just need one blog. Write posts on that. Um, you know, I'm kind of a, a jerk like that sometimes. But like, <laughs> like, but but I see someone say that we're writing five blogs a week. I'm like, you don't know what you're doing, right? You're an individual contributor there. There's not enough higher level thinking in content and inbound marketing because we've been told. The industry changes fast. You got to keep on top of the news, like that sort of stuff. Man, I've been in SEO for 12 years. Very few fundamentals have changed in SEO over the last 12 years. But if you look at SEO Twitter, you're going to think it's changing 20 times a day. Totally. Yeah, there are new things being tested all the time. But guess what? It's not going to make a lick of difference in your business, most likely. And if it does, then you can start like investing in it. But like, you don't need to keep up with like, oh, Google changed the like font weight on their ad text as a test for 3% of people in Canada. It's not going to freaking matter to your business. Like focus on more important things. Sorry, I'm ranting. But no, like, no, this is fantastic. It's important. <laughs> there was a conversation that uh, Ross Hudgens had with, I think, Neville Medora, mm-hmm. and they were talking about all this yeah. SEO content stuff. Like Neville's got a great, great mm-hmm. blog. Tons of traffic, all that stuff. And Ross was explaining a bunch of like ranking factors and content stuff. And Neville's like, wait, so it's about content and links, right? <laughs> and uh, Ross just like <laughs> yes. steps back. He's like, well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's some nuance, but yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it blows people's minds when they come in and, you know, I'm, I'm talking with them about SEO or whatever. And they, uh, I'm like, hang on, let's let's talk about the base of SEO. And because they come in, they're talking about like backlinks and private blog networks and this and that and the other, and asking me these like super tactical 
but like irrelevant questions. And I'm like, wait, what are the three like core pillars of SEO? And they're like, uh, huh? And I'm like, technical content links. Do you have a website? Well, we're building it. Okay. Why the hell are we talking about private blog networks? Like build a site on a, on a CMS that is like proven that you can optimize, right? Content. Do you have content that's going to rank, right? Bottom of funnel, middle of funnel, you know, top of funnel. Do you have that? Do you have that strategy? Okay. And links. Why are people going to talk about you, right? Like that is SEO right there. And yes, there are a ton of, you know, uh, strategies and tactics, you know, within that in order that, that some are going to work better or not as well for your specific company, for the team that you have and all of that for your stage. But like, if you don't get those three core things, right, you're not going to work. You're not going to rank. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, let's yeah, start worry there. About those things later after you've already established right. the foundations. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And Neville's like, Oh, so content and links. Yes. Okay. Content people want to talk about the people are going to link to that's going to also going to open up other opportunities for you to get onto podcasts so you can get more links and get in front of new audiences, which is going to spin that wheel even, fa- wheel even faster, right? Like think about it like a flywheel like that, right? Like that's how you win in content. So yeah, like bake, bake. And I'm, I'm not a like, you know, first principles guy or something like that. Like I think all those kind of, uh, you know, frameworks have their like time and place in different parts of life, but like, I've just become really about, I've become really about how do we make things as simple as possible? Mm-hmm. Um, like I was talking to, to Justin Jackson, um, right from Transistor. Um, and uh, he said something about like, you know, he used to build all these like crazy complicated funnels and automations. And if it tag it with this or moving from this and do that and send this email and all that. And he's like, man, I just quit doing all of that. He's like, with her transistor, I just deleted it all because it didn't drive any, like it didn't drive any more business. And what I need to do is I need to focus on providing more value to the podcasting space and building a better product than what is currently out there. That is what drives the business. Not these frigging automations that might drive a 0.2% improvement and blah, blah, blah. He's like, we're not at a scale that that's going to make a difference, right? Like you're talking about, right? Like an Adobe 0.2%. Is probably going to make a big difference and is going to make a good difference in their business, right? For a you know freaking bootstrapped indie SaaS doing forty k a month with whatever ten thousand visits a month, it's twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it might maybe be less than that. Like it's a tiny, tiny number. That's just like the effort you put. And once again, like it's the effort you put into it. You spend three hours building this funnel, and it takes you like three years to recoup that time. Could you have invested that same time into something that, that's going to, you know, you're going to recoup that cost because your time is a cost. You better believe it. Um, put it into something that that's going to pay it back a lot faster, you know, um, and worry about the like big, you know, automations and all those complicated funnels and all that crap. Like worry about that later or never, because it's maybe not even going to matter. <laughs> so do it's not going to matter in this stage. Back in, in my days at CXL and more so at HubSpot, because you've got a lot more free time to kind of like think about little complex, maybe mm-hmm. nuanced, probably yeah. less impactful issues. Um, now as an entrepreneur, yeah. I'm like, I shouldn't be wasting my time with this. I should be getting more clients yeah. or making our clients yeah. more successful. Those are the two things we yep. care about. Like I remember I did, I, I built a Markov chain based attribution model in R. I'm like, <laughs> this is so <laughs> worthless, you know? And eventually like yep. there are companies yeah. that could get utility from that. Again, your Adobe example, sure. it's like, but at that point, yeah. Like there's somebody in the executive level saying like, hey, if we hire a data scientist for this, here's the marginal value we can create with this. And it's worthwhile Mm -hmm. for us based on the cost of this data scientist. It's almost never the case at like an earlier stage company that it's worthwhile to do that. It's like your your simplicity model is the way to go. Exactly. Yeah. There is something to be said, I think, for like, 
uh, you know, experimenting and like trying new things and like, like that. Cause as entrepreneurs, excuse me, as entrepreneurs, like I get bored, I have ADHD, I'm all over the place. And so like going and, and working on something that my energy is going into, right. It might like, yeah, it might never see the light of day, but it's going to, you know, it's going to spur something else is going to trigger something else that then I can go and apply to my business. But your point is spot on that. Like that should be like 2% of your time, 5% mm-hmm. of your time. If that's like 50% of your time, you're, you're, you're abandoning your business, right. Or you're, yeah, yeah. you're hamstringing your business because you're not actually putting time into, into building your core company that allows you to do those other things. Now, if you're so busy that you don't have any time to take a step back and think, right. I mean, then that's another problem, right. And you probably need to hire you need to fix your mindset around hiring and, and how you do that. Well, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, so once again, it's a, it's a balance, right. We're all about, all about nuance here. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think that that kind of thing, that experimentation is super important, but you have to keep it in check. Um, and, and really like get down to the, like, what are the core principles of this business? So for us, it's like, do we have traffic coming in the door? Are people scheduling, are people submitting the, submitting the inquiry form? Are they scheduling a call? Are they getting introduced? Are they closing? That's what matters. Those are the numbers I look at, right? That's all I care about. I don't care about how many Jira tickets did we solve or anything like that. Like it, yes, we have a, a product that we do active development on, but like that's not driving the business forward. You know, what drives the business forward is more traffic, converts into more increase, that converts into more calls, that converts into more intros, that converts into more, um, that converts into more closed, uh, closed clients. So why am I going to focus on anything else? Yeah, we started repeating this phrase all the time. Uh, will it make the boat go faster? It, it, I learned oh, it from I like this it. book, The Gap and the Gain, uh, which is a really good yeah. business book, right? Dan Sullivan, right? Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, I, I'm normally yeah. not into the business book stuff, especially like the pop, mm-hmm. you know, more motivational stuff, but this one was fantastic. Yeah. I read uh, it yeah. la- uh, over Christmas. It was really good. Oh, you read that one? Yeah, over Christmas. Yeah, I read a lot of business books. So I read yeah, that yeah. one in like three days. It was awesome. That one definitely revolutionized how I think about like, well, personal productivity and like gratitude, obviously, mm-hmm. like his, you know, three big wins kind of practice. But, yeah. um, Will it move the boat faster? Was like that British rowing team. Like they, they basically like use that as a lens oh, yeah. from which to make any decision. So it's like yeah. if they would ask like before doing something like, "Is it going to make the boat go faster?" And if the answer is no, mm-hmm. if it's like you know, go to McDonald's and get food or whatever. Like right, yeah. yeah. Obviously, that's a trivial example, but like you know, right. in, in the case of your business, is it's like you can ask yourself that at almost every junction. It's like, is spending an mm-hmm. extra hour on Twitter going to make my business better? And it's like probably no. Maybe yeah. <laughs> you start yeah. to reframe things like you're, if you're you know, being purposeful, but yeah, yeah. Just bring some consciousness to it. Totally. I think about it like a, like a flywheel um, or a, like a, a, like a water wheel is probably the better way to think about it. So I, I spent a lot of time, I live in Denver, but spent a lot of time in the mountains near Breckenridge and driving back on I-70 as you go through Idaho Springs, there's, there's literally a, an old water wheel sitting there along I-70. And so I think about it as like, okay, my, you know, my business is going, a small trickle of water is going to like gather in one of these things. And then the thing is slowly going to turn, right? How'd you make it turn faster? You pour more water into it. Right. Um, so, and, uh, and, and, you know, in business, it's like more of the right water, but you know, with a, with a, uh, water wheel, any water is going to do, um, but not ice. Cause ice is going to like break it. Um, mm. but, but point is you pour more water into it. And the more water you pour into it, and the faster that velocity is, the faster this thing is going to spin, right? But over time, 
you know, slats are going to break and that kind of thing. So you may actually have to like pause a little bit. You may have to like dam it, dam up the water a little bit to continue the metaphor. So you can repair this thing so that then the, you know, when you turn the water back on, then it's going to, you know, spin just as fast. So that's, that's how I think about it. Um, but I do like the, um, the, the, yeah, does it make the boat go faster? I mean, it's, it's James Clear's like, you know, 1% better, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the law of marginal gains, you know, um, Ed Milet, Toggy just released a book called, you know, the power of one more, right. You do, you do one more, make one more phone call, send one more DM, do one more podcast, send one more email, like that kind of thing. And once again, to a point, because at some point it's diminishing returns, diminishing return, but yeah. it's amazing. Like if everyone else is doing, you know, 50 emails a day, and you're doing 51 in the short term, it's not going to feel like anything, but over 365 days, you have sent 365 more sales emails than you, than your competitor, right? You don't think that's going to make a difference. I bet it will. Yeah. Two things there. So first Idaho Springs is super underrated. Great town. Super underrated. <laughs> Westbound and down the, the, the brewery there is phenomenal. Oh, and Tommy knocker. Tommy knocker is incredible. Tommy knockers is good too. Yep. Um, the other thing was, I don't think most people commit to the extent that they ever reach diminishing returns. I actually think that's uh, probably, so it's it's the fear that, it's an imaginary fear for most people, I think. Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, yeah, it, it totally, it totally is. And, you know, people are like, but what if I, uh, what if I, you know, spend a year producing content and all of a sudden I have like all this traffic coming and, you know, these leads that I can't like take phone calls for. That's a good problem. Yeah, now you get to go hire salespeople, right? And they get to make you money. Like that is awesome, you know? But yeah, you're totally, you're totally right. People kind of like him and haw, and what about this? And what about that? And can I see an example and and all this stuff? And I'm like, shut up, take action, you know? <laughs> like action, lack of action is the thing that keeps businesses from growing, right? Like in the bootstrap space, I have so many friends that are, I'm a bootstrapper. I have so many friends that are that are running bootstrap businesses. And they're like, ah, I'm thinking about some SEO and I might do this thing after I do this feature and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, shut up and do it. <laughs> you know, shut up and do it and tell us how it's going in six to nine months, right? Because you can be in a very different place if you actually took action on it. Totally. So, frustrating. You, but um, you, you came up through through the SEO world. Do you still consider yourself yeah. an SEO archetypically or have you shifted your professional identity, personal identity to be more of a, an entrepreneur or like, how do you look at yourself nowadays? I'm an entrepreneur. I call myself a serial entrepreneur. Um, it actually says in my Twitter bio now that I used to do SEO. I used mm-hmm. to be an SEO, I think is what it says. Um, yeah, because that's how I identified for a long time. But man, even like back in, I went in house in 2013 uh, with Zillow on their brand hot pads because like I, I just, I saw the limits of SEO and like, it's still my thing. I still like, I'm so good at it. Um, I still geek out out about it. I still think about it a lot, but it, it's a, it's one channel, right. And it's, it's a, uh, and it, it plays with all the other channels. Right. And so like it, to build a business, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can build a business. Um, and just being like hamstrung or just like being pigeonholed into one thing, like was just never really of interest to me. I'm not that like geek out on the details kind of person. I'm the big picture, like kind of I hate to use the word. Cause it sounds like super like full of myself, but like, I'm, I'm a visionary type. Um, and so I'm like, how do we 10 X this thing? Not like, how do I eke out another 0.1, like, you know, percent of my click-through rate? Um, so yeah, I, I just identify myself as an entrepreneur cause I, I just enjoy building businesses. I enjoy building companies. I enjoy delivering more value. 
Um, and to me, like, and I want to do it faster than like you usually can with SEO. So I, I invest in SEO for all of my, all of my companies, but I'm also investing in short, that's the long-term play, right? But I'm investing in shorter term things as well. I'm investing in ads, I'm investing in being on stages, being on podcasts, like that sort of stuff, because it's going to move the needle so much faster. Mm-hmm. And then when that needle moves faster earlier on, then guess what? I have more money. I have more budget, more, like more, uh, more, I can hire more people to put more effort into the things that are, that I'm investing in long-term SEO and content brand, et cetera. I can hire people to expedite those things, but I'm also not expecting them to pay off in the short term. Mm-hmm. So what is your long game? Like who, who are you chasing? Uh, my goal is to be, I am 37 years old right now. I'll be 38 next month. I want to be able to retire by 47 years old. I want to be financially independent to retire by 47 years old. Um, and, uh, you know, mentor, mentor other entrepreneurs. I don't, I don't, I, I've thought about launching like a coaching business or something like that. I don't think I'll do that, but like mentor other companies, maybe do some investing. Um, but you know, I'm honestly, man, for me, and it's cliche to say, but it's all about freedom. And for me, freedom is time, freedom and time, freedom comes from money. Um, and so like, I want to build these businesses that make a good impact, um, but also generate a lot of revenue, generate a lot of profit. Um, because I believe that is the way that I make a bigger impact in the world. So I'm going to spend a ton of time skiing. I'm going to spend time mountain biking. I want to give to, um, you know, causes that I care about, right? Like climate causes and like that sort of stuff. Um, cause I believe that, that the best way, the biggest impact that I can have in the world is by making as much money as I can. So then I can give as much money as I can to these causes that I care about people doing things that I care about, right. People like spending time working on climate science and all that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's my end goal. You know, I'm, I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, I don't want my business to go too big. Like, uh, $20 million a year sounds stressful, et cetera. Like, Man, if I built a $20 million a year business that was 20% profitable, that sounds awesome. Not not just because there's like not just because of the money, but because of the impact that A we're having, because like you're not you're not making $20 million a year if you're not having a big impact, right? So for me, it's all about that impact. But then also personally, it enables me to have a bigger impact on the world. The that that attitude, it's funny. I've never thought about it like this, but it's 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 hilarious now when you say it like that. Cause I have heard that a lot. Like, oh, I don't want to be in charge of a huge company. And it's like, you're making a lot of assumptions. Like it's really difficult yeah. to build that, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know what I would do if I had like chiseled six pack abs. It would just be so much maintenance, you know, like I would have to like wash my <laughs> diet and it's like, well, you know, it's really hard to get there. Like, <laughs> right. You know, exactly. you're not just going to wake up yeah. someday and run a hundred yeah. million dollar business. And I, I think, right. you know, through that journey yeah. at some point, you're going to be able to decide, Hey, I don't like this anymore and step out. Right. You know, it's not like you're going right. to be forced into this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But for me, like, I mean, you can tell, like I listen to, you know, James Clear and Ed Milet and like all these guys, like I'm all about like, you know, changing my mindset and leveling up my mindset. So if I level up my mindset, I can level up my business. I can level up my life. Um, and from, so for me thinking about like having a, you know, $20 million a year business or like my goal actually for this year is that my two companies together do a million dollars in revenue. Um, and that requires me to get substantially better because last year we did about half of that. So that requires me to level up myself. That change, that like leveling up my mindset, leveling up my skills, leveling up my strategies, my tactics, how I do things. To me, that is exciting. Mm-hmm. To me, that is fun. There are a lot of people that it, that that is not fun. In which case, like, hey man, that's not you. Do your thing, right? Be happy making fifty k a year, and you know, and and living in your you know in your house, you know, same house for the next fifty years. If that's the life you want, like, I'm not dogging on that at all. If that's the life you want, cool, go for it. That's not the life that I want. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't be doing that, but you also shouldn't tell me that I shouldn't want what I want. Um, so yeah, I, I think like, but as an entrepreneur, like we need, I think we need to be curious and we need to be, we need to be driven. Right. And we need to become very okay with uncertainty and change. Um, and, and if you're not, and you just want to build a, you know, 200 K a year lifestyle business, cool. Good for you. Like do that. Um, but like, if you actually want to impact the world, that's not going to impact the world, at least in the way that I want to impact the world. That, that point you hit on with entrepreneurship, kind of being a forcing function to improve yourself is something I've recently discovered because like I, I started my career, I've always wanted to do entrepreneurship. You know, like I mm. joined a pre-seed tech company right out of college to learn how it feels to get off the ground and like see what raising capital is like and going through all that. Mm-hmm. But like for a couple of years, you know, I worked at HubSpot, at Workado, yep. and I was building the agency in my spare time. So I was, I was still hustling to an extent, but like at these big tech companies, <laughs> It's it's not hard, you know. Yeah. Like there's some positions that are pretty intellectually demanding, politically demanding, but it's not it's not the same thing as building your own company. Like no. you just look at time completely differently. And yeah. I'll say that during that time when I was at HubSpot and Mercado, I became a well-rounded person. You know, mm. I, I studied mm-hmm. Spanish and <laughs> spent a lot of time like doing recreational <laughs> yeah. things yeah. and hobbies. But now that I'm doing my own thing and you know, in charge of my own domain and destiny, so to speak. I look at time completely differently. I look at how I act differently. And like, there's Mm -hmm. motivation now. Like I've always wanted to meditate, you know, like that it's a healthy thing to do, but for a long time, it was just a whimsical, like, oh, maybe this will improve my stress levels. Mm -hmm. Now Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to improve. Like I can't be stressed out all the time. I have to have a buffer for my day. So I basically can like better manage my business. So now I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I have a real incentive to do this. And that's how I started to look at everything. Or, you know, if, if it's not that, requisite, like then I'll drop it. And I have no remorse mm-hmm. over doing that. And so it's completely totally. like reprioritized my life. Um, just totally. having it be completely me up to me, you know, and like, it's, it's, you know, high levels of ambition too. I, I think, like you yeah. said, if you're aiming a little lower, you can be okay with a little bit less, but like, if you're aiming yeah. high, you really start to reprioritize, like how you're going about your daily life and your relationships, your hobbies, and all that stuff. Totally. And it, and it, it, carries over into all of those things as well. It carries over. It not only does it improve your business. And by the way, I started meditating the weekend after the COVID pandemic started in the United States. I meditated straight for 541 days. Um, so it's been, and I, I stopped it last fall. I was doing 75 hard and I stopped it, but I've recently, but like went for a little while without doing it. And a couple months ago, I was like, I'm stressed out again. I'm anxious. Like I'm angry, all this stuff. I was like, oh man, I haven't like meditated like at all in the last like six months. What happened? I just completely got out of it and started it up again. But then, yeah, it like, I mean, it, it does retrain your brain. It's one of those, like, you got to trust the process and over the long, it's like SEO and content over the long term, mm-hmm. it really like snowballs. You start to see the difference, but it's going to take three to four months to actually like notice any difference of doing it every single freaking day. Um, but uh, it's, it, but then it carries over, as you said, into the rest of your life. Absolutely. Like carries over into what you put your time into. It carries over into the relationships that you have, the friendships you have, the topics you talk about, the things you care about. Right. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm seven years, almost seven years in now to being self-employed and you know, I, I crush myself during the week. I do like I, I work Monday through Thursday and I usually work about a half day on Friday. But then I'm heading up to my house in the mountains or heading on a trip. I'm going skiing, I'm mountain biking, I'm recharging. But when I am in like when I'm in Denver, I am focused. I am working hard. I do not have time for like these, you know, senseless debates in the SEO world. 
Like I have things to do, <laughs> you know, like I am busy purposefully because I'm trying to hit these big goals. Um, but, but that all comes from starting to change that like mindset around your prioritization, around being mindful about what you're working on. Why am I working on this thing? What is it getting me? And if it's not getting you what you want, then you change, right? You can change that up. We always have agency to change this stuff up. No one is forcing you to keep meditating, right? And if it starts affecting you negatively, you can stop. Um, you know, same thing. You, you know, you start building your business and it takes off and you're at five million dollars a year and you're not having fun. A, don't make short-term decisions off of uh, don't make long-term decisions off of you know short-term feelings. Um, but uh, you know, th- there are so many ways out of that, right? Hire a coach that helps you build out a team and level up your mindset around hiring, level up your team and all that. If you still hate it, you can still walk away. You can, I mean, A, you can shut it down. No one's forcing you to keep running the business. You can just shut it down, right? Honestly, a few years ago, I was at a point with Credo where I was so fed up with it. I was like, I actually, I talked to a, a, a therapist. Um, I see a therapist weekly or bi-weekly now I have for years, but talk to a different like therapist. And they were like, why don't you just shut it down? I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, you could literally go and delete your hosting account right now and take your business offline. Why don't you? Oh, that's interesting. Right. So every time now that I'm really stressed out, I'm really hating my business, which like doesn't happen now. But every time I'm super stressed out, I think to myself, I, I could just shut this down. I could shut this down, sell the assets because I have a domain that has 2,500 linking root domains that is worth something to someone in the space. I could shut it down, sell that for 150K, take a year off while I'm building the next thing. I could do that. I have that agency. I'm not going to, but I could. You know, So like, I think as soon as we recognize that, that, just unlo- that, that at least for me unlocked everything. Where it's like, wow, I, I can actually change anything that I want to. It's going to be a lot of work. It's not going to be easy, but I can change anything I want to. And if I have to just like hit, you know, hit, hit the uh, pull the ripcord, I could do that too. Mm-hmm. That's also a very privileged position. And I recognize that, but like, you know, the, it's possible. So you know, we're not we're not trapped. That's that's a powerful lesson. We should end on that. But I want to give you one silly anecdote. <laughs> yeah, I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, one thing, the agency thing. Because uh, I'll, I'll find myself mired in stress and like, ah, oh, I can't figure out what to do. And I feel trapped on this path. And when I graduated college and moved to Austin, I remember I was going grocery shopping for dinner. Uh, you know, I was working all the time. It was like a late dinner and I was like kind of stressed. And I'm like, oh, I got to find some vegetables and some fucking healthy chicken or something <laughs> like that. And I was yeah. like, I wish I could just eat cereal for dinner. And then I was like, wait, I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went and it. got a box of Reese's puffs and had them for dinner. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I felt horrible after I did that. Yeah, exactly. You woke up dinner. the next morning feeling super low on energy, but like <laughs> you can do it. But I realized I could do it if I wanted to. And that <laughs> was <right>. a lesson. <laughs> That's right. Yep. So uh to end off, uh, thanks for this this conversation was awesome. Um, do you wanna uh maybe explain where people could find you online, any resources, all the stuff yeah. uh, you want to promote right now? 
Yeah, for sure. So um, best place to connect with me personally is on Twitter. I'm at Doherty JF, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y-J-F. Um, my two companies are Credo, getcredo.com, where we help companies find the right digital agency to work with, and editorninja.com, where it's uh, uh, unlimited copy editing and proofreading services, where the design pickle of content editing. Um, so, um, you know, honestly, if you're an agency, you're at an agency, like check out both companies because we, you know, I'm, I, I build for agencies, it turns out. Um, and then, you know, want to get in touch with me personally, John at either getcreator.com or editorninja.com um, is going to get me. I have really enjoyed this conversation. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. This was super fun. 